200. Oh! Ka-ching, ka-ching, baby. This might be it. We really out here. We bought a zoo. We bought a tiger. We bought... We bought another assortment of random animals that you might see around. We bought lemon kegels. Lean Kugels. Leaning Lean Don Lemon. Hello and welcome to We Bought a Mic episode 200, boys. We made Woo! it. I think we can call it now. You know, we did our we did our our podcaster's duty. We made it to 200 and we're reviewing We Bought a Zoo. Listen, I remember back when we first started, uh, my family reached out to me and they said, you'll never make it to 50. And we made it to 50. And they said, you'll never make it to 100. Mm-hmm. And we made it to 100. Mm-hmm. And they said, please, for the love of God, stop. <laughs> this is bad. This is destroying our We're family. worried. This is destroying you have not been employed for three years now. You keep yeah. saying this podcast is going to take off. Please stop. Well, look at you now, mom. Okay. Yeah. I have two donors. We have two donors. Yeah. And we, guess where she is? It, uh, six feet underground. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Rest in peace. Just like Matt Damon's wife. <laughs> they you, said, mom. they said to me, they said, Drew, you have four children and you haven't even mentioned them once in 200 episodes on this podcast. You're in. <laughs> You're a 49-year-old man. Is they the missed their father. Is this the episode where we re- reveal our ages? Um, I mean, I'm 90. I'm, this I'm is, Today's my 90th birthday. Yeah, Hunter's the baby. <laughs> I'm 49. I'm I a gold 12. digger. I do have seven children, though. But um, And that age gap between me and Ernest is even more appropriate than the age gap between Scarlett Johansson and Matt Damon <laughs> in We Bought a Zoo. Um, which we are talking about this week. Surprised, folks. We told you we were going to do First Cow. But why the hell would we talk about one of the most yeah. critically acclaimed movies of 2020 when we can talk about one of the most critically uh, acclaimed question mark movies of 2011? Yeah. 2011 was not a great year. No, 2011 was a real Generally, the artist have, won Best Picture in 2011. I didn't have a good one that year either. <laughs> Um, yeah, first cow, get out of here. How about, uh, first, how about no cows at the zoo? Yeah. How about freaking, uh, first, uh, dead wife. (laughs) Just like missing the obvious joke. uh, (laughs) Ghost protocol came out the year fast five. Okay. Drive. Yes. I think drive might actually be my favorite. Attack the block. Young adult. There was some good movies. Oh, I meant to bring this up when I talked about speed racer last ep, but I think 2008 was also a bad year for movies, but, but I think 2011, that was dark night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause I think, but I think 2011 might be worse than, than 08. We bought a zoo is really bad. Yeah. Truly in the running for the worst movie we've talked about. It's one of, yeah, it's, and I was initially worried going in because like you said, reception is generally fine. Like regarding this movie, even critics don't seem to hate it. Audiences liked it enough. It did well. It made 120 mil on a 50 mil budget. The 50 mil is just 
insane that they even had to spend that much for this crock of garbage. How much was the Scarlet and Damon's uh, salary? Scarlet and Damon were a lot. I would assume that Cameron Crowe charged a lot. Uh, does that figured into budget? Like, did, if if he produced it, does his pay also? Because he is. Like you said earlier, Hunter, he has just been around. He's just been kind of hovering around and uh, not always deservedly. So before this, because this is 2011, his last feature film before this was in 2005 and it was Elizabethtown. Oh, boy. It didn't do well. Yeah, I never saw that. No, no one did. Before we dive into the movie, though, we should introduce ourselves. I'm Ernest. I am I'm going to pause for 200 seconds. Oh, God. Hunter. And you know what? For the 200th, I'm Skimbleshanks. No, no, dear God. No, he's back. The cat on the railway train. Would you guys rather have just watched Cats again? No, no, I don't Honestly, I... I think I... Yes. I, I really enjoyed watching this movie. Um, we did. We just watched. I, I'm it glad tonight. we watched this together. If we were watching this, uh, if I was watching this by myself, it would have been so much more boring. Yeah, because that's the thing about this movie is that it is you, boring. You it have to really bad. If I were watching it alone, I would still be almost like jabbing the elbow of someone who's not there next to me and like saying like, <laughs> you know, riffs. Pay attention. No, just because like me. You, no, just like yeah, because like you just have to riff when you're watching it. Like yeah. you have to talk because you're like no, no. I can't like you have to take breaks from paying attention. Do you guys know what Cameron Crowe looks like? Yes. Um, you don't want to you don't want to know. <laughs> Listeners, go ahead and uh, search uh, Cameron Crowe on Google Images and see this very uh, kind of closed together eyes. Close together eyes. Just he I mean, classic director head, noise. giant fucking head. Yeah. Directors have big. Hey, it's got a good hair of hair. Head, head of hair. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking so, of head of hair. Mm. Where do you put your head of hair at night on a pillow? Let's take a break to listen to our sponsors this week, (laughs) which is us rambling about pillows or something. This is taking time for We Bought a Mike's Pillow Talk. What's your pillow style? (laughs) If you're just joining us now, we're talking about uh, your fluff level. Now, you want to have a good fluff level. You don't want to be too flat. Mm-hmm. Um, cause then it's like not having a pillow at all. So let me oh, tell you what so- I've done. I, I have a, a really nice pillow that's shredded memory foam, which is very different from what the, my pillow is. That is like, like fucking big ass chunks of memory foam. My pillows are no good. Um, but it's shredded memory foam and it came with like a shitload in there and it was too much for me cause I'm trying to keep my, my head down. And so what I do is I took some out. Uh, but then the pillow slowly flattened. This is such a funny, this ending is going to blow your fucking mind. Uh, so I put it fucking back in, dude. Oh, shit. Oh, so, damn. So now I'm fucking my pillow, right? And I'm I'm really going in. Well, that's why I got flattened out is because I think semen is corrosive <laughs> to memory foam. At least in my experience. So don't, I don't know if you guys have ever bought pillows from Target, but don't. Um, the pillow that I bought from there is just completely flat now. Yeah. The, like that feathers, is my side pillow now. The it doesn't come out. Well, the feathers haven't come out of it, but it's just like, it, it's just so flat. Like there's no fluff to it. It's my side pillow now. It's the separator. How long? Uh, because you know, also how long it lasted like, uh, it only lasted like a month of actually being fluffed. 
and then it was just already gone. To be fair, it's like a $25 pillow. You got to you gotta splurge when it comes to a nice pillow. Hey, man, at Walmart, you can get a pillow for this like $8. This is on the podcast, by the way, babe. Guy, what's your pillow style? I could probably answer uh, this for her, but... <laughs> I like a flat boy and then a nice big old fluffy guy. I only ever need two pillows, and I need like lots of feathers in one, and then a nice... A pancake. She likes a lumpy pillow. It's not lumpy. I want it's to lumpy. It's not. I've just had it for years. I sold it from Derek. Like, it's it's a, it's kind of it's a little bit lumpy for me. No, it's not. You just like fucking rock slabs. I do. I need I need very firm pillows. I need like a very firm bed because if I sleep on anything too soft, my back is fucked. Okay, like, it's like there's a difference between like kind of firm and like you like firm. If you slip on concrete, you can. I've done it before, babe. Roughing it again. Yeah. All those knights and Boy Scouts have trained me for this. Drew, Drew looks very upset. If you're getting a cheesecake, <laughs> don't very listen to him. Guy, why won't you give me a cheesecake? <laughs> <laughs> no, she's going to do it after we're done potting. So she's not making them because I'm recording in my living room. So that. Nice. I think Lindsay's going to bring uh, cookies too. No, I was telling Guy, we're going to dip the cookies, eat the cheesecake out with the cookies. Brother, I've done it before. I'll do it again. It's very good. Cheesecake, cheesecake cookies cheesecake cookie sandwiches should be a thing. They should. Oh wow. Cheesecake is the best cake. That's my take. No, fuck get the fuck out of here. It's the best that. cake. It's the best cake. Why? So cake cake, there's so much that goes into it that you have to be concerned, like, okay, is it moist enough? Is it not gonna be too dry? If it's moist, is it gonna be too heavy? And is it gonna be like I ate a full fucking meal after I eat? So what you're saying is that generally cake is worse because it's more complicated. But if you have like a perfect cake, it's like the best food on earth. Yeah, Yeah, it's very too much variance. Yeah, I know but my but my mom is a really good fucking baker and she makes me a perfect birthday cake every year. Look, I'm all about risk versus reward here, okay? No, that's what I am. You clearly, you I'm clearly an incremental never, progress kind of guy. You clearly have never had a perfect chocolate cake. No, I have. I've just had so many like mediocre cakes in my life. So or just cakes. all cake, all cakes, it's, just it's a cakes. few bad cakes, and no, now you're judging had, all cakes. I've had some, well, or a lot of cakes that I don't like because I'm not a big frosting guy. I think frosting is cheap. Hunter, it depends on frost, the frosting. It's fucking cheap. Like buttermilk is good, but I don't think a cake should be dependent on the frosting. A cake should be good in itself. No, but so many cakes they like they're like, oh yeah, let's put all this fucking frosting on there. And then I'm just like my stomach is just like a stew of sugar afterwards. I'm just fucking fake. That's why you gotta you gotta go easy on the frosting. Don't overdo it. You're it's only I'm just saying so many people... I'm, you, I'm you, you have not had much good cake, is what I mean. I've had good cake before. My mom is a great baker, but I'm talking about like every childhood birthday that I went to. Cupcakes, you fuck up less than real cakes. Cupcakes are going to be the future anyways, because people after the Rona are going to be like, cool with just you like blowing out candles and spitting all over the fucking cakes. <laughs> 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 I'll be like, no, just take this one fucking cupcake. Oh, boy. I'm just saying, cheesecake is better. Okay, well. What's your guys' take on carrot cake? (laughs) 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 I'm just delaying the podcast. Carrot cake, it it could be good. There's some good stuff in there. It's. I drink some carrot cake. <laughs> Have we been recording this whole thing? Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. This this is the 200th episode. Just release it in like a few <laughs> weeks when <laughs> we hit 200. <laughs> and, it, and people will appreciate it. We fought a mic here. I'm here to say that cake sucks. 
Um, that's just, that's unbelievably insane. Um, carrot cake, I'm not a huge fan of, but my mom does make a carrot cake cheesecake that is unbelievably good. It has, I've had that, it has, that's good. Yeah, it's got like chopped walnuts in there. It's got a little bit of chocolate just drizzle on top, but not too much. If you can think of just off the top of your head, something from the grocery store that you would review on the pod, what would it be? The, just the first thing that pops cereal. Okay. Cereal. I'm, I'm down to do a top five cereals. I've, I've gone through my Mount Rushmore before with Drew, my, my Mount Rushmore of cereals. We've done this. Yeah. We spent like an hour talking about this already. So yeah. I, I think it's so easy. May, call me fucking an old man, but the granola cereal is hands down the best. Dude, honey bunches of oats is my shit. I fuck with I fuck with some honey bunches of oats. Well, you have to you have to say, there. say brand name here, Ernest. I mean, oh, um, I I always forget the because there are so many different so ones with granola. my Mount my Mount Rushmore, my personal Mount Rushmore, Casadian Casadian Farms. Oh yeah, that stuff that is really good. My personal Mount Rushmore would be CT Crunch, of course. Gotta have it. Honey Nut Cheerios, gotta have it. Cinnamon Life is fucking incredible. Cinnamon I mean, life is the shit. Yeah. And then my fourth one kind of varies a little bit. Like sometimes I'll be in like a special K kind of a mood. Sometimes I'm just feeling like Reese's puffs. Um, but it, I, I don't agree with cereal as a treat. Cereal should be like nutritious. It should be like filling. Like it well, should I know, get, but get you I don't ready. Really, I also don't eat cereal to get ready anymore because there are like 20 better foods you can eat. Even if it's like a granola cereal, you could have like fucking eggs, <laughs> you know? Well, so like I, I do my like Mount Rushmore is all shit I used to eat because I don't have a lot of cereal no more. So it's all like the shitty ones that I just loved. You know? I used to, now that I'm like working from home, I've been eating more breakfast because I can, cause I'm not really hungry right whenever I wake up. So instead I just like, I have like a small breakfast and a small lunch and I just eat a big dinner. Like I, it's more of like a snack. So I'll do like some honey nut Cheerios and then I'll just like chop up a banana and put some like raspberries or blueberries and stuff in there. And that shit's banging. Yeah. That, that actually getting, sounds uh, really good. I've been getting into almond butter, Ernie. Almond butter. Oh, wow. It's very good. Um, it's, usually, it's, usually what? I just do the, uh, the margarine stuff. Well, almond butter is like a peanut butter type substitute, not a butter substitute. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had I've had that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just yeah, like good. unsweetened. Yeah, it's unsweetened. I, see, it just genuinely tastes like nuts. And then you can if you're having it on like an apple, you can sprinkle a little salt on top and it makes it so fucking good. I'm not really a peanut butter guy to begin with. Mm. So I'm not really the the best uh Do you eat nuts, Ernest? Do you oh, eat like trail mix or nuts? I I <laughs> love oh, eating nuts. I eat nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I eat nuts all the time. I eat so I, much, yeah. like, fucking trail mix and shit like that. Like, all like all eat, the time. I've been eating that this whole fucking time. I, I love Mr. Peanut in my mouth. Yo, I can go grab my... I always have Mr. <laughs> Peanut at the ready for the pod. <laughs> I got some honey roasted I, I, mix nuts here. So here's the thing. When, Look at when, that sexy motherfucker. When, when Mr. Peanut died, I lit all my... Uh, planting my all my planters cans on fire and then when lil nut got added on there i bought them all back and then you had a lil nut yeah and then when they did the the zoom commercial with kool-aid man like that changed my life i just i just realized that planters are owned by Kraft heinz 
What kind of corporate bullshit is this? Shout out to Pittsburgh, to our Pittsburgh Fuck. boys. So you're saying that the world's largest nut company is actually <laughs> like a big company? <laughs> That's fucked. <laughs> but, but baby peanut was so epic though. <laughs> so, I thought he was like a mom and pop peanut. <laughs> you know what I'm shocked? I'm shocked that there wasn't a baby peanut Fortnite skin. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, what if baby nut was revealed on Fortnite? They're like, everybody, we have a big reveal coming from planters at Risky Reels. Go to the theater and then you can stay uh, for a sneak peek at the new fucking uh, <laughs> David Mamet movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll be like, it'll be the big reveal of the new nut. Where are they going to add to the classic trail mix? Will it be pecans? Well, if they, they add, made, if they made they a fucking, pistachios? if they made a, an emoji movie, they can make like an Avengers of commercial mascots movie. You know, mm-hmm. put, put the Charmin bear in there, put Mr. Clean in there. Um, the Kool-Aid man. Um, just put in like the social media intern for Stakeum because I don't know if they have a mascot, <laughs> but that guy's really putting in a lot of work. <laughs> He's like the Nick Fury, like bringing you, everybody. Speaking, speaking of cereals, like are are just cereal commercials like dead? Like I just like have it on. Like a Tricks commercial came on, the bunny just isn't there anymore. Yeah, uh, I know Cheerios commercial. Like the the little bee man isn't there anymore. Rick and Morty ended it with these their, kids uh, don't know. These kids don't know the trials and tribulations of the leprechaun yeah or of the tricks bunny these like little fucking dickhead kids that were the frosted the frosted flakes tiger yeah um or the uh cookie crisp oh you know what's on my 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 fourth spot is a frosted mini wheats fucking love some frosted too much sugar there's not that much no that's why i'm not i'm ct crunch is the only like kid cereal that's on there i've just always liked cereal that has like more like whole grain stuff to it well if we are actually going to um i i like the cereal idea but if we are going to review other things from the store hard recommend a vegan meats like plant-based meats you might be surprised some are not as good as others. You got to know what you want. Yeah, yeah you that's buy. definitely true. Yeah, that's, by, by brand and by type of thing. And also it just takes some acclimation to get used to it. But I've made vegan meatballs uh, more than a few times now. Yeah. Yep. Very good. Beyond meat sausages. Yes, yes, Beyond so meat is beyond it, meat. It is takes on the flavor of the going, sauce. Yeah, exactly. It's all about seasoning. It just, this could just be a PSA to white people to fucking season your food. How about that? Me and cool. I went to Bahama Breeze uh, today for like dinner. Um, it was funny cause I had like a steak and some coconut shrimp, which doesn't take a lot of seasoning cause the cut of meat was good, but she had a Jamaican jerk wings and it was like the most white people Jamaican oh, jerk no. that I've ever had in my life. Like it just had like no flavor to it at this. There was only flavor on the skin of the chicken wing, but not on any, on the actual chicken itself. You gotta, you gotta go in with the jerk, man. You gotta jerk. Always, I mean, it's always over season instead of under season. So if you're listening to this for our 200th episode, I hope that you are as confused as you should be. And, um, you know, just be happy that we took the time to do this for you. And I think this is our first Patreon episode. (laughs) And I think, I think now we can, we can cut to when we actually, uh, do the food reviews. So 
take it away, future earnest. So, glug, Brett, glug, glug, glug. hey, Sup. how's life? We're here. Dude, quarantine life. Q U A R. Just a variety. Oh, he's, it's time for the segment where Ernie spells a word. <laughs> I. Wait, I, I fucked it up. Wait, <laughs> Oh, I, I lost it. I, you were doing. I so gotta good start there. over. Q U A R. Keep going. A N T I N E. Okay. Uh, there we go. Perfect. The price is right. So I think this is going into our 200th episode spectacular. So I feel like it's just gonna be really bad. <laughs> it'll be our first actual good episode. It'll be it'll be an episode for. For Brett and for Brian only. Yeah, it's just gonna it's gonna be like our version of Come Town, where there's no structure or like point or rhyme or reason. Well, we did just have a little bit of uh, frozen DiGiorno pizza, so we could review that. Was that DiGiorno? It seemed like it had veggie stuff on it. That that was added. Post. Yeah. Well, that here's was the thing, Drew. That wasn't delivery. No. You didn't even okay, have any. honey, I'm listening. <laughs> Keep going. It was DiGiorno. Oh, I wanted to hear a spit take on the podcast. Can you can you do that again? Grab no, that was really good. That was we really, added really good. some red onions and some uh, red onions. Some vegan <laughs> sound boys. <laughs> yeah, guy who can't stop sound checking. He keeps, I, I can't. I'm not getting a, a unique New York. <laughs> Just can't stop. Uh, podcast. <laughs> Pop culture. Pop culture. So this is going great so far. Are we recording? Oh, we've been recording, honey. We were recording this entire time while Drew was saying up a you should, You should flip up the mic so it's above the stand so I can see your pretty face. <laughs> oh, he's <laughs> taking down the whole stand. He's destroying the stand. What do you, flip? you see how I have mine? How it's, up, how it's going up instead oh, of below. Okay. There he goes. He's getting it. Searching for a sign in the living room. <laughs> How was that pizza, though? I got to know, because it's not the best frozen pizza, I don't think. Dij well, it, it didn't give me the issue I typically have with uh, frozen pizza, which the problem, especially DiGiorno, too. Frozen pizza is wet when, yeah. you, just, when you start eating it. It was just a little undercooked undercooked Ooh. interesting so that's okay. the problem with every frozen pizza that i have is that it's undercooked uh no matter how much you cook it to the point where it's burnt it's still like tastes would you off. rather yeah. be burnt? that's why if anything i just buy tombstone and i just kind of cut my losses i'm like this will fill me up and that's really all no, that that's some coward here. shit <laughs> i don't care like i'm gonna make a pizza from scratch if i'm gonna actually make well a pizza it's it's that's what i was gonna it's actually very easy you literally just you because you i mean you're not gonna make the dough i've done it before where i made the dough yeah. and everything it wasn't it was a marginal difference you can just buy dough and unroll it and then put shit on it like it's really easy and it's a lot better you but you end up the, the thing about that is you end up with this like weird doughy taste like it doesn't come out like you want it to but you also need like a pizza stone or like a pizza steel or something like that get a yeah. fire a fire if oven. you if you yeah. just get like Flame the oven. um the Pillsbury like dough that unroll uh, dough that unrolls is like uh it tastes like like that DiGiorno crust tasted like fine like it's like not right, like the right. best crust you've ever had 
but there's nothing offensive about if, it. If I had to guess a brand that was racist, I would probably guess Pillsbury. Yeah. Shit. Well, Why I is mean, that? The, the Doughboy, you have thoughts? Speak on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the Doughboy, and he's white. Yeah. And fluffy and rolly. And fluffy. Yeah. Rolly. Okay. All right. Are who they- would win in a fight? Who would win in a fight? Pillsbury Doughboy or Michelin Man? Oh, bro. <laughs> oh, shit. That's fucked up, man. Well, one look like one. Look like, oh, already we got spills in the new pod studio. Very Luckily, passionate. I'm prepared. I'm prepared. There's a rag right there within reach. There he he brought me a rag. Daddy gave me a rag. It was already ready to go. So I'm going to go ahead and say that is the Michelin man because one's a man and one's a boy. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. You got me there. And that yeah. segues us perfectly into... The King of Stenton Island. Well, we're gonna we're gonna wait, start wait, just another wait. episode. I, I have that. have you guys ever tried to make stuffed crust out of uh uh pizza dough? God no. No, I, I think time, that's a gimmick and I don't like it. One time I tried to make because I that's like the you, thing. You fold the edges up. That's the thing, is that I feel like stuffed crust could be good, but it ends up tasting like shit because it's always like shit cheese that they put in there. So I tried to make it myself <laughs> and it turns out like there's just no good way to do well, it. Well, it's just there's like no you, you can't have crust. people are like you can't have one bite of just like baked bread. Basically, it has to all just have like extra shit going it's these, on. Uh, it's this uncrustables generation that we mm. have right now. I never oh, fucked with those at all. No, so un- uncrustables. Lunchables are the lunchables of PB and J. I fucking love lunchables. Uncrustables. I just I know that this isn't how they make it, but I like to think that they just take two pieces of bread, they cut a little circle, and they just take like a nice fat syringe and they just inject jelly. Dude, into you it. figure that out. I hate those. I well, I forgot you do work at the uncrustables factory. I so, do. Yeah, speak on that. I manufacture uncrustables. Are you the inventor? No, of course not. We have the that inventor was, of Uncrustables here on the show today. That was Steve Crustable. <laughs> Wait, he was Crustable. Oh. Exactly. You know, you don't want to get into that. His one. greatest regret. <laughs> no, it, the whole company was a journey to undo himself. He was trying to dismantle well, his every, own person. Everybody persona. like thought he should like the crust of his sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Like he grew up th- and he never liked the crust on his sandwiches. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of why Uncrustables are a metaphor for mental illness. A lot of ways. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Speak on that. <laughs> Welcome back to speak on no. that. No, no, I won't. You're not yes ending. What are you doing? You're dropping the ball right, right on in front of me. It's flaccid. It's flat. It's well. Completely- so here's the thing about mental illness. It's kind of like this crust, and we all got it. You might say that you don't have it, but you, you got it, listeners. You have it there. Whether you acknowledge the crust or not, you might try and eat around the crust, or you might just fucking bite right. I don't into think we're it. talking Say, about crust anymore. I don't know if this is gonna hold up. <laughs> what, what, like, what, like upon its release in like, in, like a, in a week. I started watching Hancock. It's like on Netflix. The and Will boy, Smith are there movie. racist jokes in that? <laughs> the movie. Will Smith. Yeah, I love that movie. I I thought Charlize I Charlize Theron. I hey man, it's a uh, it's um. Who wrote on? Who wrote that? I never it was, heard. It was one of the Vince Game Gilligan? of Thrones. Oh no! Yeah, it was Vince, Vince Gilligan. Yeah, but isn't it like a, a studio notes movie where it becomes fun, a love story at the end? Fun fact about like, that what? movie: that was my first date. Was to go see Hancock in theaters, and uh, it was me, uh, a girl at the time who I met at a church summer camp, nice. mm, and dude, fuck, my so sister, <laughs> just all oh, together in a row. Sister. Who were you on the date with? Uh, her <laughs> name was Lynn. Don't ask me where her last name was. I don't. It remember. was Manuel Miranda. We did, 
We did get a little smoochy afterwards. Uh, most of our dating came over the uh, web browser app IMVU. Oh. I am I envy you. I am as in mobbly. It was it was like a cam girl website. <laughs> I am like instant message. Yeah, it was like that. It was instant like you make a little avatar and unreal tournament. You just you'd make a little character, you like go around and it's like dating. It's why I thought like the the adults this did. Is so I, know sad. I think I know what you're talking about. Hey, hey, hey. hey I was hey, like 12, okay. Hancock, 150 million dollar budget. 624 million at the box uh, office. So it must be good. <laughs> 624 go, go back million? after the podcast yeah. and, and watch a little Christ. bit of that movie. I haven't even seen you it. Jason Bateman, who's like, you know, the straight man who has to like guide Will Smith to be like a normal human being for some reason. Mm -hmm. While he's making Asian jokes. The whole yeah. Time. And he is married to Charlize, right? Right. Who is yeah. also super powered. Right. That's the whole twist. Was Hancock ahead of its time? Was Hancock a metaphor for mental illness? Oh my god. Well, Brett, how do you like the new pod studio? It's great, dude. I really like the flower wallpaper. I That's really like that true. you have a toilet in the studio. Oh god. Mm -hmm. Um, I wish you had a lid on it though. You Let's noticed getting the wrong idea. Well, it's just a urinal, but you did choose to not treat it like a urinal, so that's on you. All right. Well, what next mystery segment can we toss it to in this? 200th episode extravaganza Mystery will it all tie together will it make any sense we can only find out when we get there so let's do a segment called would uh channing tatum fuck that so a pineapple <laughs> but it's already like the you know the ring has been cut out but it's those rings that they cut out in the pineapple they're pretty Here's, thick wait was it will it fuck channing tatum or will channing tatum fuck would it? he fuck that wait so we're talking outside the shell uh, the shell is on because here's the top thing. I don't think off. it matters. Okay, I think you would have fucked it either way. I asked because he's struggled with alcoholism. Oh, fuck. and if you're really in the throes of that, you'll fuck just about anything. So enough about what Channing Tatum wants to nail. Let's get back to we bought a zoo because that's what we're here to talk about. And before you cut to that break which was really great and made sense in the context of the episode. I was thinking your transition was going to be speaking of a great head of hair. What is going on with Matt Damon's hair in this movie? Uh, this well, is what my, is, what is going on with Matt Damon so in general? Damon like generally wasn't in a great spot career wise. Like you said, this was what five or six years after the departed. And mm -hmm. he looks like he's 20 years older. He truly does. A lot of that, uh, like I will attribute a good amount of that to the hairstyle choice. It is feathered. It is long in the back. It's almost a mullet. It's really, really ugly. Uh, and it, yeah, he looks like he's doing like Kurt Russell cosplay, including his uh, clothes in this. Like he's wearing like really like poor fitting, like Wrangler ad clothes. I, they want to sell the everyman sympathetic lead yeah, guy. He's he is playing a father of two, a cute little seven-year-old girl who says all the right things in the right moments, and a uh <laughs> an edgy teen uh young teen boy who absolutely sucks shit. And uh also Matt Damon is like the worst father on earth to this kid his, throughout the movie. I mean, his really his run after uh after the departed is kind of rough. Like there is like Ocean's thirteen. He has the the last born movie with Ultimatum. Yeah, he went and through a rough time and it, kind of he was in like movies like Invictus or True Grit. I don't or I Contagion, don't, but they're kind of just like 
there are roles in which he's not really the lead. And unfortunately, this is also a bad time for his really good friend, Ben Affleck, where they both had a problem with alcoholism. And uh, it shows that Oscar didn't work out. It shows in this movie and he didn't really yeah. bounce back until. 2014 well, with Aaron Stellar and then the following year at his full yeah, come back with the Martian because Damon doesn't talk about addiction like Affleck does now he never he, the only thing he ever talks about is how he quit smoking cigarettes mm. and he has full-blown like alcoholism and oxy face by the time this movie comes out like it is it is an insane transformation yeah, I mean I said it when we were watching it but this is only five years after the departed and yeah. he looks 10 years he's, older. And he's also, I mean, generally he's swollen. Like yeah. he, he, he's, like he slimmed down a good amount for the Martian. He doesn't have that like youthfulness to him anymore, but he looks so much better by the time that comes out. So this wasn't a great point for his career. Um, Cameron Crowe wasn't a great point for his career. Uh, can we, can we talk about Cameron Crowe real quick? Do you want to go so, back to his face? So this guy won an Oscar for almost famous. Mm-hmm. And that was what, 2000? Yeah, I mean, before that, he was nominated for Jerry, Jerry Maguire. Maguire. Yeah. And, you know, you, you'd think that this would be a situation where it's like, oh, okay, so that was just a guy who did a thing one time. Oh, well, he also did say anything. He didn't say kind of, anything. And he did he fast, for times. fast times. Yeah. He was like a big guy he in the 80s and the 90s. Times. Yeah. He well, he it. was a uh, columnist for like Rolling Stone. Oh, he stuff. wrote fast. Mm-hmm. Time. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. looking at his direct. No. And credits. yeah. And so he, you know, he went undercover at a high school and it was a big deal. Yeah. That was almost and then, famous. And, no, that was fast times. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ended up converting that into a script. Uh, and. I don't like Fast Times very much at all. I, uh, you know, I understand what it did for that genre of movie. It essentially invented it. Uh, I think that is best that I've seen, at least. I haven't seen his his better movies except for Jerry Maguire. And I really love Jerry Maguire. It's it's really sappy, but in the right way. Uh, and this movie is really, really sappy. You haven't seen Vanilla Sky? Yeah, no, I was going to say, is you're after Cruise? almost famous. Yeah, it's is, Tommy Cruz, Penelope Cruz. Vanilla Sky is a terrible movie. Mm. Um, See, I think it has its merits. Vanilla, I, so I th- Vanilla Sky, I think, is where Cameron Crowe takes a turn because he wins the Oscar for Almost Famous and a year later he makes Vanilla Sky, which has, I mean, Cameron Crowe uh, is not the best dialogue writer um, Dude, as evident in we'll We Bought a Zoo. We'll talk about that in depth. But even, even something rough. like Jerry Maguire that is like a really, really good movie, there's still like some really, really corny ass dialogue. I mean, the fucking you complete me is like if you just take iconic, that scene, yeah. it's iconic, but it's really corny. And Vanilla Sky is like him just going to another level where he's like, I'm going to make this surrealist film where it's just but i like that about it we didn't have any of that in this movie this movie tries to be like super realistic and it doesn't work at all uh i think that he's now in the let's get them checks part of his career because also his only other movie that he's put out since aloha. this time is 2015's aloha which yeah i have is no interest even in worse that. regarded than we bought as yeah movie. largely for uh you know it, it got a lot of press for its whitewashing um, and this movie is whitewashed too, even though I'm sure the real, cause this is based on a true story. I'm sure it's based on a bunch of white people At like all 98% of this movie is white. Except and, for two characters. Yeah. Um, one of them is JB smooth <laughs> as the realtor playing. Uh, yeah. The worst realtor of all time. <laughs> Just- um, <laughs> 
I, I don't even know where to fucking start. Yo, this fucking, okay. It's, it's so goddamn bad. Okay. Here's, here's where we can start. Well, actually, first of all, we should tell the listeners, you know, the obvious here is the podcast is called We Bought a Mic and the movie is called We Bought a Zoo. But when Hunter and I worked at the bowling alley and we were trading around little sketches of what we wanted to do with the podcast and I passed them a little sketch of We Bought a Mic, I was not thinking about this movie. But mm. it must have been in my subconscious. Yeah, I think you were. Because, yeah. the, you know, the, that name just doesn't pop out of absolutely nowhere. You know, I'm not some savant. I'm not Cameron Crowe over get here. sued by Cameron Crowe for this <laughs> podcast right now or, or what? But I, I think it's funny that, like, we're at the point now where it's like we might as well talk about the quote unquote uh in the, the 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 beginning the the root of where the podcast came from and we're experiencing that it is this really terrible movie viscerally bad the the, the yeah. arguably the worst movie we've talked about on this whole podcast it's, it's close i still don't know if i would go that far but it does this movie doesn't really have any merits to it well i mean we've talked about movies like santa girl and stuff yeah like, like we've talked about some well, just God yeah. Awful Here's the movie. thing, though. But I'm, this is this is a big budget yeah, that's, movie that's star thing. move that did this well is different. and was pretty well received. That's why I was really happy about how bad it was, because I didn't want to watch a five. I we, we know about my parabola theory. It holds true to this one. This was like really, really bad. And so I enjoyed myself. Uh, I it made it made one twenty off of a 50, of 50 budget i'm really really baffled as to what people well we were, were saying because it, it was a christmas movie well, right so listen it was initially a christmas release they bumped it they were so confident they bumped it up a month to thanksgiving um and they were like they were really really pushing and how excited they were and because apparently audience responses like during screenings were really positive i also found this incredible poll quote from an old deadline article uh talking about how they were like reaching out and like, you know, creating buzz, how Fox is going about the sneaks and the sneak peeks is different than usual using social media outreach. The studio is partnering with the social media service tout T O U T all caps oh. tout. Oof. Have we heard of it? No. For a quote unquote tout takeover <laughs> <laughs> attendees can tout their reviews of the film and present their own experiences involving 20 seconds of courage yeah. <laughs> playing off a key theme of the movie. So what's what's going on with the company Tout these days? Are they worse, Tout.com? It's rebranded into PR for like some like Raytheon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if you go to Tout.com, it says this site is under construction. <laughs> yeah. And there's like a little kid in this like hang in there. <laughs> um, OK, so step back. Uh, this movie is based on a true story. Yes. And if you look up the real Benjamin me. Yes. And well, that was what tipped off that it must be true because naming a character Benjamin me. A white character. <laughs> me. Benjamin me. So it makes more sense when you find out that these the real story is uh, British people because Mr. Me is very, you know, mm -hmm. oh, it's Mr. Me. Benjamin me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, my guy. Benedict my Cumberbatch was in the Matt Damon <laughs> role. Would he oh. be more or less attractive? So we, yeah, Damon we were we were talking about this when we were watching it. Is who could you sub in for Damon, and would they make the movie better or worse? So we first suggested Tom Cruise. Decided that would probably make the movie worse, but then we said Mark Wahlberg, mm. and that would probably make the movie better. Benedict Cumberbatch 
probably worse, I would say. I think that he makes it better, but that's the thing. So I get we need to go through this movie in order just to hit so many of the different things, like kind of start from the beginning. But some of the things that were my favorite parts of this movie were the worst parts, because I think that this movie, the most laughable. Parts. I think that this movie had a chance. It was never going to be good. Um, I think this movie had a chance to be average, and I'm glad that it wasn't average. I'm glad that it was bad. Because otherwise it would have been a less enjoyable viewing experience. I think there was a version that could have been good because the co-writer of this movie, along with Cameron Crowe, is Aline Brosh McKenna. Who's done really great shit recently and a long time ago. Yeah, she did The Devil Wears Prada. She co-created Crazy Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is like very acclaimed. Um, But this script is DOA. Oh, the... it is the most infuriating script yeah, I've, I've seen in a long time. Yeah. And I think that what you do to actually make this movie work is you start from scratch. <laughs> you throw out the script. Yeah. And you rewrite it with the same premise. But instead of focusing on the Damon character, maybe you focus on this eclectic cast of characters that live at the zoo. Or maybe uh, you focus on the... um kids or maybe you focus on the animals and you do like an anthropomorphic type story literally anything except this dad character so so you brought <laughs> the him up worst. that's why i said that i don't think this movie ever could have been good is because i have the script in mind is if we're keeping that script there is just a hard, it's dead in the hard water. ceiling yeah. for what this movie could be absolutely but the kids uh were the best part about this movie because i think that the two children of matt damon are both the most valuable person and the least valuable person of this movie which the girl's are great equally important yeah, yeah uh maggie elizabeth jones um rosie me was, they yeah. gotta change that last name i'm sorry yeah that's uh that's take a, a liberty <laughs> anything um, who was you said that she was in halt and catch fire yeah, as uh, young Joni. She, yeah, so, she's very lovely as that character that's in all these. Who movies, would have known who, that you know, this this podcast started as a halt and catch fire podcast? Full and we would circle. get some. We would get mm. some halt and catch fire content. Like the, to this, that. this character does suck. You know, like the the young child. Every she every character in this movie sucks. Well, of course, but she is. Yeah, she is lovely to watch. She's very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Like she's. It's almost. Uh, it's charming because you know that she doesn't know that it's bad because she's so tiny. So she's really just doing a good job in her own little world. Like, so good for her. Colin Ford. Let's talk about Colin Ford. Let's go. So this this guy's what, 13, 14, maybe yeah, right around there. He's 23 now. So yeah. <laughs> and he's like um, a heartthrob now. Yeah, he's kind of if you look him up on IMDb, he's kind of like a little a little sexy boy now. He was in like Captain Marvel and stuff. Um it's like some of the worst teen acting I've ever seen in my Every life. Every scene. But yeah. I, oh. I honestly, I couldn't get enough of him, of Elle <laughs> Fanning trying to flirt with him. And he's just like, oh, I'm I'm 13, I guess. It's well, it's also the worst teen writing ever. Yeah. Like it's, it's really it's it's so ironic that Cameron Crowe started his career going undercover at a high school to get the raw experience of being a teenager. And then he it leads him to this point where he is so wildly out of touch that he's writing these children that are like, they're not even, it's not even like a bad movie, like script child. It's beyond that. It's, I don't know. I think, I think Lee really touched on something because this is such, 
it, this is like a family movie. I looked it up. It was rated PG despite the cursing. Ooh, okay. Yeah, which does make a yeah, lot of sense. Yeah, who's it for? The only one. But the only one is a bullshit. The, I think there's one bullshit in the movie. And that's yeah. The, well, the the writing of uh, this kid specifically is dad fantasy. I think that was a really great point um, because <laughs> there there's no world in which the kid would act this way outside of his own father's dreams like to be so distant and withholding and then eventually be the one that like opens up his father but it's strange because i wouldn't call this this is not your typical dad movie no this is still a family oriented movie this is i i was thinking it's more of like a dysfunctional family movie where like you know, obviously the mother is out of the picture in this scenario. So maybe you have a situation where the kids are uh, feeling sort of detached from their parent uh, who might be a single parent and the, the parent is struggling with with uh, being a single parent. And it's it's more of a statement about like, how do you reconcile with yourself being a shitty parent when you've had this absence in your family yeah, this void the answer is you really don't because matt damon never really has to reckon with the fact that he's such a bad fucking well, what, dad. what happens in this in this movie and you don't need to see this movie listener we're gonna we're gonna fill you in on everything this is a terrible movie that you shouldn't see but essentially what happens is it, it, the, the the title of the movie they buy a zoo and it's it's a a way to fill that void. There is a death in the family. The mother is dead and they buy this zoo to try to fill that void to escape the pain. But the movie doesn't really focus on that emotional journey at all. And when they try to fit that in, it is like laughable. They shove so it. That's in. the thing. That's the, so there's so many minor conflicts in this movie that distract from what should be honestly the main conflict should be that it, it should, should be, be the, the emotional father journey. And son and stuff like that and the mo- this daughter was young enough she didn't have enough of a relationship with the mother yada yada it's really about the son who is older and ScarJo has a line at one point in this movie where you're just like oh that's why you're so hard on him is because she's just like your mother and you're just he's just like you and if that's where the movie would have focused in on it could have been a pretty good movie yeah, right but, but it's all over it's the place. all over the place <laughs> also listeners uh you might be thinking if you've never seen this movie like oh okay cool so like matt damon he must have like some experience like working with animals <laughs> or kind of doing some stuff i mean he he's some sort zoo. of maybe he's maybe he's like the rock in uh rampage he's a primatologist Matt Damon plays dr davis okoye so <laughs> Is Benjamin Me or Davis Okoye? Which one is a worse <laughs> name for their character? Fucking Mount Rushmore. Jesus Christ. Oh, so good. So if you are listening to this podcast and you happen to be like a journalist, shout out to like Harry, friend of the pod. Harry, go ahead and quit your job as a journalist and just buy a zoo because that's the only qualification that you need. So he yeah. just he is like a millionaire journalist. <laughs> For like he's he's clearly but it's, it's not even clear that that's the case. They don't do enough to no, communicate. He that. clearly has wealth. There's a scene where he quits his job that has holds no weight whatsoever. It seems like he's <laughs> like doing a, a bit scene. with his boss. Yeah, his boss is like, all right, okay. Like you, you literally. I thought he and they quitting. never go back. Yeah, and he never goes back. Uh, <laughs> evidently, he has a lot of wealth. 
maybe it's inherited that would explain a lot of his character if he's just like a little rich brat um but or maybe way, the wife because then later on we find out the wife had hidden money yeah that's a good point maybe she was just like a sugar mama yeah and um, and he and she was like oh honey here you can follow your little journalist dream yeah. i'll fucking bankroll you R- regardless he his wife died six months ago his son just got expelled because he like stole and then also he's been making these really grotesque uh drawings of like decapitated heads which are like very good and, and they cool. still display it on yeah. the school <laughs> hallway it, it, they're yeah, like this is un yeah this is obscene you, you, but we these are, kids going are to looking at this shit because we put it up and they're they're getting really freaked out man you gotta your kids out of here it's it's insane the kids expelled matt damon is like you know the drawings are one thing <laughs> but you stole and it breaks my heart and so but we don't know what he stole i don't yeah i don't know it's, he's but, a, he's on really rocky ground with his before son, we basically. move past that this is the first moment in the film in which uh instead of you know writing um camera crow decides it's a vanilla sky thing too and it's one of the things that i don't like about that where instead of writing we just have close-up shots on them and they just kind of like give like a grin or a smirk or a look of disappointment and the other person like looks back this is there's and then a it lot flashes of flashes back to them. That's a great flash back to them. And when we first saw that, we don't know anything about these characters. And I was like, does Matt Damon have chemistry with his son right now? Like yeah. what's happening well, right now even, in this scene? Even when we do know them, it's not well directed or acted enough to have those moments hold weight because, you know, close ups on faces can be incredible if the if you're getting what the fuck is happening. But that actually happens well, several times. So. This brings up, I think, the most egregious thing that this movie does, because in Vanilla Sky, those moments for me work because the music fits mm-hmm. the shots. Oh, God. In, in Vanilla Sky, the soundtrack is layered with R.E.M., Paul McCartney, Radiohead, like there are so many the 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 fucking the song everything in its right place from uh um radiohead i was thinking about the album i think it's from kid a yeah it's from kid a um is became big because of this movie but in we bought a zoo those close-up shots (laughs) of them just staring at each other are backgrounded with like royalty free uplifting soundtrack every and it's not it's not just the fact that it's generic it's it's the wrong uh mood it is always setting the wrong mood during funny moments they're playing uplifting music during uplifting moments they're playing like sad music or like neil young or something yeah there is some good music like we we shouted out when we were watching it um the temple of the dog song that's in there and the bonnie bear there are some good mic drops but the score itself it is sounds just generic really bad it's awful and it's by uh jonesy i believe is uh the person who composed it who he like worked on the how to train your dragon movies well, like he's done some well, good stuff i mean sometimes you take a paycheck you know exactly yeah but you that's that's this entire movie is just yeah, a, it's a paycheck. paycheck 
Um, but it, and it, it it cleared like really hard, which is the crazy part. So yeah, uh, the, he's looking around with JB Smooth. It's his, JB Smooth's first day ever as a realtor for some reason. <laughs> Didn't really need that. He's um, driving them around. He's driving them around the. Have whole you ever had a, a realtor drive yeah. you around? He's driving around a city that is at once uh, upstate New York and also like Rancho Cucamonga, California, <laughs> at the same time. But um, also could be like any Midwestern town. It, it's anywhere. They they live anywhere. <laughs> they live everywhere. Um, he's driving them around. They can't find the place. They're it's, they're literally it's it's what you think where like they pull up to a house and they're like mm, no not quite like it's literally like the three bears and then the little go- girl <laughs> from somewhere she <laughs> she pulls out a sheet that is this beautiful country home and they go to it. So JB Smooth is like, oh, you don't want to go there. You they don't want to go there. They drive like an hour and a half yeah, away they, from town. They drive really later. Far. We find out it is nine miles <laughs> <laughs> but they yeah it's a big deal how far away it is um and the whole time jb's moves like oh you don't want this place man you you don't like this place and he's like no listen, jb i like this place it really is your first day huh? my daughter handed me the sheet yeah we gotta go there and then cue a lion roar <laughs> and he's like well you, uh it's a zoo <laughs> You know, I mean, this is something that does happen. On it's your not first like day. we drove past a wildlife yeah. area sign when yeah. we drove yeah. in. You got to go through the gate to get in. Yeah. So that is one. If we're just going to tear this movie apart, let's just start there um, that they drive through this property. Um, we later see from establishing shots that the lion, the tiger's cage and everything is just right next to the house, as well as um a home that includes like eight to 40 people that worked on this zoo. And I mean, that number shifts throughout the whole movie. There's just random people that just show up in the background that don't get lines. So you're like, wait, were you also just living there? Yeah. They weren't getting paid any money because this zoo was abandoned (laughs) for two years, for two years. They lived, but they lived on this zoo and Mm. they still took care of all the animals. They did all the upkeep and stuff, despite having zero income and just kind of like basically just being homeless and residing in this area. sort of ended up on the side of like they don't live on the property but they do live nearby because it's like in the woods you know they can just get you know live somewhere in the area but yeah what have they been doing they've i mean clearly these animals are being taken care of so on whose dime who's paying it's been closed for two years we get we don't get really any background information about that uh and then also every single member of this zoo staff is like exceedingly white um like like disturbingly white hey we got a we got an irish well no except for the only the only person who looks ethnic is playing a scottish man yeah shout out (laughs) shout out to angus mcfadden who looks like he could be in like system of a down but it turns out (laughs) it turns out he's fucking he's playing like mcginty or whatever the fuck um doing like really he actually is from there and he's doing an awful accent somehow he forgot how to talk um they are all yeah they've all just kind of been around and they're like oh who's this new guy who uh bought this entire place and is going to pay us we're skeptical of this man they should be 
like fucking bowing down to him. I, I mean, I still just keep thinking of the animals and what how they were taken care of because they talk about how there's like multiple vet visits and stuff. Can you imagine how expensive it is to like hire just an exotic vet to come to your house and just like take care of my sickly tiger? Yeah, it is. It's insane. The amount of money that they burn through in this movie. Uh, Matt Damon's money. <laughs> they burn through all of his money because uh, the zoo needs a lot of upkeep uh, because the big evil health inspector man is going to come in. Played, okay. played by a TV guy who's been in a John um, Michael Higgins. John Michael Higgins. You look him up, you'll recognize him. I know now he has a show on Game Show Network. Yeah. He's been around the block. He's the he's, movie shifts when this so guy comes in. This is the issue. Is he? I think he actually is pretty funny. He's great in a vacuum. His scene is funny because there's there are like some visual gags with the tape measure. Yeah. Uh, he is going way overboard, which this the movie needed at that point, but. It doesn't fit. It doesn't at land all. at all because it's in this movie, which so far has been semi-dramatic and like heartfelt. So I was thinking about his character because we talked about a Drew Rob how he is like pretty much like he is a kid's villain. And do you think that the whole purpose of his character is because it's supposed to be a family movie? So Cameron Crowe just thought like, okay, well, if I just put in like one silly bad guy, then that'll be something to keep the kids invested well, when the whole family this is, comes in. This is ultimately what the central thesis of the movie boils down to. It, like, I am willing to forgive a lot because I just found out it was rated PG. So they did need kids to understand what was yeah. happening. Their inner, inner conflict is too much for children to stomach. Yeah, and there are just so, there are so, so many oversimplifications of the plot that we will get into uh, that you can excuse away by saying this is for kids. But what boring ass child would like this? Like, if you're making it for kids... Like what kid is going to like this fucking movie? Like it's, it's the same way I felt about Dumbo or a wrinkle in time. Yeah. What child in their right mind is going to love this? Like it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, the, for. the plot is essentially about a broken man <laughs> who is incapable of being a good yeah. father and trying to fill that lack of exactly. competence with buying a zoo. And uh, it also this does make sense that it came out around the holidays because that's when the movies that the whole family goes to come out. Like it makes sense that this put butts in seats. But my fucking God, you know, how you're you have to choose. I think you cannot end up in this middle ground of, uh, you know, like dumb parents like love it for the melodrama and the Matt Damon of it all. Mm -hmm. Like people love Matt Damon. Even at this point, they still liked him. And in there, you know, he carries the movie, whether or not he should, like you said, he shouldn't. Um, I mean, but, he looks like you know, shit. Well, I think I think that where this movie like this movie is, it kind of has a parabola for uh, age group, because I think that if you're like a little kid, if you're like five or six, there's enough just like random out of place cutaways to animals that you can be like, yay, it's zebra. <laughs> yeah. But if like you're babies. a teenager, you're like, Bored. this kid sucks. No. Also, like this kid, Dylan, is the worst. He, I just have to go back to him and Elle Fanning's relationship because yeah. I, I honestly, I kind of felt sorry for Elle Fanning. Oh, I felt awful yeah. for She's a very good actor. She is yeah. very good. Um, and her character, first of all, they couldn't have done a worse job with her. Same with him, like the teenage boy as well. But she is at once trying to play a weird girl because I think Elle very uh, justifiably noticed that this is a really weird fucking girl. She like lives 
on a farm. She lives yeah. on a farm with like she a bunch of dudes in she, their like but 30s. She doesn't look like that. No, she looks so aggressively looks normal. normal. Yeah. And she's written to be like this like weirdo loner. Yeah, but she's written to be also a Pollyanna. She's written to be perfect. Like she is, there's, she is, she keeps on bringing this fucking oh, dipshit sandwich every, every day. Every scene between them, I was like, girl, you do not need this kid. He but sucks. That's the thing is that like, she's written to be like, so at first I like read it as like kind of horny teenage adolescence, but then you do kind of get the feeling that she is just so lonely yeah. that she's just like, there is somebody else my age that I can have some <laughs> kind male. of a connection with some kind of a man, but they just lack any kind of real chemistry because they're horrible characters. And going back to the music again, which I did just uh, found out Jonesy, um, he is actually an instrumentalist for the band uh, Sigur Okay. So nice. fun fact makes sense for the Bonnie Vare drop, but the music in particular in those scenes with the two of them together is absolute nonsense where it'll be a scene where like she gives him a sandwich with like a note and then there's like just like some like piano chords playing and it cuts away and like little happy triumphant music is playing and it just does not match with anything you have no grasp on what the tone is of any given scene in this movie. Yeah. And the other romance isn't much better at all between Scar Joe and Matt Damon. Cause it's hardly existent. Obviously it cannot be overtly sexual in any way. And you, so they do not kiss until the very end of the yeah, movie. Yeah. You, I think you go into this movie just kind of vaguely assuming that they are going to be romantically involved mm -hmm. just because of the whole movie star the thing entire, and, and the like poster like all of it you're like yeah they're together yeah and if and not like, at the beginning then by the middle and not by the middle and and you know i mean i don't i don't want to come off as like kind of uh misogynist but like in this era in 2011 scarlett johansson was fitting a certain mold in Hollywood to try to be this like very attractive figure. And all of her roles were sort of circling around the same thing. And I mean, now yeah, it was before now, she became a movie star. In yeah, exactly. Now we can see that she has all this range. And I, I, I do think she is pretty good in this movie, given the shitty yeah. uh, character that she Cause, gets. Yeah, Cause there's just no way to be good, but the character itself is like, you go into it knowing that this is a very archetypal love interest character. Yeah. And is, the movie doesn't commit to that. Not, no, not at all. Because like you keep saying, it should have been about something entirely different if it wanted to be about grieving and blah, blah, blah. Um, she is 28 years old in the film. Um, rough. He is definitely in his 40s. He looks 50. He looks so old. Yeah. <laughs> the scenes with them together do not feel good. Extremely <laughs> off. -putting. Like the look of their scenes feels it feels really, really off. Um, their chemistry is really, really brutally bad. They, been, they don't have anything going. I have other. been actively trying to look up because there is one scene in particular with them at about. I'm going to guess the midpoint. It felt like four hours in, but this is only this movie is movie, way so. too far. Um, long. Oh yeah, we'll God. talk about that when we talk about the end. But um, there's one scene in particular about like the halfway point where um, Matt Damon's like, uh, I, 
I find you, uh, you're a really attractive woman. She's just <laughs> like, I'm glad that you don't hit on me because I want you to know that if I wanted to be hit on, then I would kiss you, but I'm not going to kiss you if I did like you, that is. And yeah. he's just like, what are we saying? And she's like, what are we saying? And I, we all collectively watching, we're like, what are they what saying? What are you saying? Because it was a, a nonsense conversation <laughs> yeah. between the two Yeah, of that Cameron Crowe just passed out on the keyboard and like, <laughs> they're like, he didn't finish writing he, this scene. And that's, he just typed in, what are we saying to each yeah. other? Because he's like i don't remember where my thought was <laughs> the producer gave a note that said what are they saying <laughs> and they just read he was that like, that's incredible <laughs> it's it's unreal it's awful dialogue um i i don't know i feel like i'm gonna pass out on my keyboard trying to like i'm, I'm having a brain injury well, the whole the whole midpoint of the movie is just zoo shenanigans that involve a tiger getting sick and jumping down from a okay. six foot rock so yeah you were <laughs> hunter you know you brought this up there are and this this does play into the kid moviness of it all there are about a million one minute conflicts in the movie <laughs> yes. uh in which like it is it is introduced and immediately resolved well yeah because Oh, God, I'm getting so pissed off. <laughs> the movie cannot, for the life of itself, commit to no, what it, what's right there of this father that has lost his wife. It can't take that and, and, no. and say, let's tell a story about this broken man. It has to, like, do all these other things that don't work and it can't commit to. And it comes in the form of these like non con yeah. that one in particular was really brutal to watch because essentially there's this sick tiger that is in a, in a way representing Matt Damon's inability to let go of his wife. And in a way, by in a way, I mean, it is explicitly representing that he says it out loud. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he um, really says it. But so this, I came here to escape my pain. So there's this really, really like frantic scene in which, they're like, oh no, oh, someone help the tiger. It got up on that rock and uh, it, it can't get down. And if it doesn't get down, and it'll never eat again. And then we have to euthanize first, it. It's zoomed in on it. And you're like, oh my God, is that up on like a 30 foot rock yeah, or like, something? It's like two feet in there. And they're like, it can't come down. If, I mean, everybody's just like, everybody's like, well, he is like an old tiger. Like maybe it's time to put him down. Just kind of let him go easy. And Matt Damon's like, no, it can't die like my wife. Yeah. We have to keep this tiger alive like I couldn't do with my wife. And so then they start banging on shit to try and get this tiger down. And eventually it just kind of turns around, like takes this yeah. foot, takes a minor step. Yeah, because it gets rock. on that rock like every day. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's, it likes it's like an enclosure type thing that tigers would just like. Yeah, animals would just rock. climb up on top of that thing. All of the animals in this movie hate their lives. Yeah, they're because mostly they're all like in prison <laughs> they're largely real i'll give them yeah that. I, I mean I there's guess plenty of there's plenty of cg like little expressions they put on their faces or that's, whatever that's always a double-edged sword yeah. where in a movie it's like it's more humane it's more like you know like ethical to have cgi creatures because mm. you're not putting an animal through you know traumatic shit but then it looks but it also looks better when you do go through the work and effort of having a real animal yeah so it's like you can't win either way well, exactly the most really the worst example of that is the bear they have a big old grizzly bear who escapes from the zoo he's finally at peace out in nature and then they capture him and their thought is let's give him a slightly bigger cage <laughs> instead of like maybe we should release this animal to the wild like where it belongs as they should do with all of these animals yes 
because the zoo has been closed for two years. Fuck. Where's the, where, how have they been feeding I these? Just, these animals I must just, be starving. I can't, I keep going. It's in like Tiger King. They're feeding them it. like dumpster meat. Yeah, like it must be some shit like that. Like, <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. How they also, are taken the, this of. community of, of zoo workers is really fascinating because in addition to everything and how white and strange they are, they do like, we all definitely got the distinct vibe that they just like live there. And if that is the case, then that raises a lot of questions. One of which, uh, they all hang out at a pub after work that also seems to be there. <laughs> it's also there on the yeah, zoo. They have their own like bar that they all like chill at and yeah. get fucked up. Um, so this is a whole little world they have for a dead zoo <laughs> that is like in the middle of like, like I said, like Northern California in the mountains uh, that no one would ever give half a shit about except for uh, everyone in line at a Home Depot. <laughs> no. Well, OK, so. <laughs> Before we get to that, I did want to bring up because you brought up the the cast of characters that are at this zoo, this ever growing cast of characters. The first one who was somebody who I just noticed in the background at first, uh, who's just like feverishly jotting down notes. And it turns out she's an accountant for this. Oh, my God. We zoo. have yet to bring up Thomas Hayden Church. Mm. Uh, no, well, I'm about to get to it Agreed because uh Talk about conflicts that go absolutely nowhere. She is an accountant for this zoo and she gets everybody together and she's just like, he's Look, here's broke. the thing. He's broke. He's going to sell us all out. And then, <laughs> the very next scene, <laughs> my guy, Matt Damon's just like, oh, I stumbled onto in this old jacket pocket. Eighty five thousand dollars just like sitting yeah, here in that his check. wife was, had saved from him and like kept out of her will because she knew that he was going to blow all of the money that he got from her dying. She knew that he would. Uh, so that's incredible. Great stroke of luck there. And then you have the Thomas Hayden church scene. He's playing like a kind of like a hippie weird brother, I guess. Mm-hmm. Is that that's his perspective? <laughs> yeah. Who like, yeah, who always gives Matt Damon advice, but actually it's typically wrong uh, in, in this case. Well, actually I did feel like he did give him good advice when he says, this is a chance to back out of this terrible. Yeah, idea. no, he absolutely should have left, but I'm um, again, this is a kid's movie and now it makes more sense. But like at any point, are you thinking, Oh man, this is the end. He's, he's selling the zoo. I mean, no, just fucking not. some of his lines are just incredible. Cause they're so flat. Like he does not give a fuck about this movie. It's very obvious. And he's just like, listen, you should listen to me because I'm your older brother. Like, remember when I said Cowabunga and I jumped and went cliff diving in Taiwan? And you're like, what, like, huh? what Cameron, are you saying? Cameron Crow was like passed out on his director's chair. Like, huh? He was oh yeah. Yeah, that's good. He was nodding off some fucking fentanyl. (laughs) This is a guy who has no interest and thinks this is a horrible idea. But don't worry, he'll end up living on the zoo and working there, too, by the end of the movie. Yeah, seems to take over as the accountant. Cameron Crowe seems to have a big problem with directing uh, en masse. Like, the... Scenes in which like a large crowd of people were supposed to be behaving a certain Atrocious. way. They didn't they were not well directed. And you can tell because they don't know if you look at each of their individual faces, they don't know what their reaction is supposed to be. Uh, and that is the best example. I think the scene in which everyone is gathered in the pub and this one guy uh, tells Matt Damon, oh, she you know, the accountant lady, she's turned everyone against you. Like she told him you're broke, blah, blah, blah. Um, they are not acting like they're mad at Matt Damon. 
because the thing is they shouldn't be at all because he (laughs) saved their asses and then he spent all his money trying to keep the zoo alive and he ran out of his own money so why would they be mad but yet this guy just told matt damon (laughs) they're all mad at you but they're not acting mad because they shouldn't so i think the actors are actively going against what the script says because they shouldn't be mad it's it it doesn't make any sense also in that scene uh matt damon like and on the same in the same kind of tone that he was fired or that he quit his job, he fires the accountant lady where he's just like, all right, now get out of here, kid. Yeah. And she's like, <laughs> OK, she's like, you got me beat. Bravo yeah. to you. Yeah. And then she just like goes out back and, and his like brother's just himself. like puts on. <laughs> we never see her his again. brother who's like a city boy just like puts on overalls and is just like, well, I'm part of the farm yeah. now, I guess. He pulls up in his little Mercedes and he has 200 pounds of fish in the trunk that can hold about 10 pounds of anything. <laughs> He was making like a hundred K a year being an accountant. And now like now he's he's operating at a functional loss. He has to be just well, dude, that was the thing is like so his wife left him eighty five thousand dollars total in the safety deposit box. And that's supposed to save an entire zoo full of animals and a crew of a dozen workers yeah, because the what thing is, in the world well and that the issue with that is they're not taking in any money at this point the 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 zoom is not open until the last scene of the movie so there is zero profit it's not that they're taking in like not enough money zero they are operating at a 100 yeah. percent loss but i guess i guess to your point you just made it's a kids movie kids know. don't know how money works just put a random number on the safety yeah. deposit box and it works well, just a just, big number i is it time that we get into the ending of this film right before ending right before the ending i just wanted to bring up the 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 thing that kind of kicks off the kind of final act is the scene between matt damon and his daughter who we've already mentioned but the daughter is kind of one of the best parts of the movie and she just I don't know if it's her or if it's Cameron Crowe, but she just lives in this sweet spot mm-hmm. where she is not trying to be super dramatic uh, and she can do some of the campiness and some of her facial expressions. But she gets the scene with Damon where Damon tells her that her mom is with her, like that her spirit is with her. Mm-hmm. And. Although that scene does have a very dated Chilean uh, minor joke that, in it. That joke, I, I hit on that really hard when it happened. It's so uh, bad. Like, he, she's like covered in stuffed animals and he's like, it's, oh, I can't find you. What are you, a Chilean minor? <laughs> like what on earth? So that aside, I think that that is one of the sweeter moments in the whole movie because you just you get these two actors in the room. You get Damon doing his thing. Damon's good. He's when, yeah. I, I, you know, when he wants to be, I don't you know, I think he was uh, fucked up I, and, for and most of this. And you get this scene where it just like, oh, I wish this whole movie was about this was about this dead mom and this this void that they're all struggling with figuring out how to deal with. And the movie's never really about that. But just for this one scene, that's kind of like why I would put this movie just marginally above something like Cats, because it just has that tiny little bit of emotional through line, even if they don't bank off of it. I had more fun watching Cats and I would much rather rewatch Cats than this. But Cats is like this ugly nightmare. Mm. 
this that, this movie is a Claritin commercial. Yes. It looks mm-hmm. like one. It feels yep. like one. It's the exact opposite of Cats, and yet they have so many similarities. <laughs> like, Cats is like, it like hurts going down. This movie goes down easy, and then it gives you heartburn, <laughs> yeah. which is what I'm experiencing right now. <laughs> well, I mean... It's along the same lines in those scenes, but there is <laughs> Matt Damon storming off from two different people uh, is also right around this time. Of course, he gets in the big to do uh, with ScarJo because he can't let go of the tiger that needs to yeah, die Scar-Jo's because like, that cat has got to die. <laughs> do you want to see me angry? <laughs> yeah, Whoa, really man. rough ScarJo really? in that one scene. I mean, um, it's just, I think that that was a scene but, where Cameron Crowe was like, go for it. You, you know, this is a scene where you guys uh, do all of the work. Yeah. And they were like, we don't oh, know. You got to go act in Iron Man 2. Yeah. Whatever. Go. And yeah. that scene is better than his Matt Damon's blowout with his son. Well, no. Which, so I was yeah, going to say, so, so it is, next. it yeah. is curious that they have this big fight and then Matt Damon confront, he goes to ScarJo after their big fight. But the very next scene uh, that includes him getting in big fight with son uh, one, oh. it's just incredible Matt Damon yelling. That was at the he, point where we said maybe Mark Wahlberg would make this movie yeah. better. Just Matt to have Damon Mark loses yell. his shit. <laughs> he pops a blood vessel like, like hey, this is your this son. is your teenage son, dude. Well, also like, the entire movie, he has been fully ignoring his son, who is so clearly depressed. He just lost his mother. He doesn't want to live on this dumb fucking zoo. Because why would you? And all Matt Damon cares about is his little daughter, including during this argument. He keeps bringing up. He's like, you have a little sister. But then the son calls him out on it. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, I have shit he's like, going you, on. You know, you don't, you don't even ask me how I feel. Uh, you didn't even teach me how to shave. And then he slams the door and Matt Damon's like, hey, we can shave. I'd love to shave. Yeah, that's uh, that's bad. But I mean, it is like. Uh, there's just so many parts that could have made this movie better because the favoritism that Matt Damon shows is like really pronounced in this it's movie. Really, it's really, really, it's brutal. really bad. Like you're like, this is rough. How yeah. much favoritism he when, is showing? If anything, the, the typical dynamic with the psychologically more correct with these scenarios is that because ScarJo explicitly said, "Oh, you're probably hard on him because he reminds you of you," and then she reminds you of your dead wife. Uh, most of the time it's the one that reminds you of the dead person that you would end up shunning because mm-hmm. you don't want to think about the dead person. Yes. That's how it works. <laughs> like that is just a psychological phenomenon that people are familiar with. Uh, th- first of all, this son is n- n- in no way similar to Matt Damon. So the idea that Diamond he reminds him of Matt Damon. Opposite. Yeah. Literally they're, they have nothing in common at all. Um, and then on top of that, the, yeah, that fight, uh, absolutely sucks. And then the fact that the son has to be the one that comes into the tiger cage, uh, to, to reconcile with his dad. Yeah. And this the, is when Lee's point really rang yeah, true. This is where dad it's fantasy. like the climax of the movie is essentially this scene yeah. where the son steps up to tell the dad, like, Hey, even though you're a shitty dad, I still love you yeah. because you did your best when he even didn't. though you didn't at he all didn't do his best <laughs> yeah. even a little bit so you end up with this like theme where it's like hey you can be a shitty dad and your shitty son will forgive you for it exactly <laughs> he's yeah he's saying you can act like a little baby and you're and like it, it's your son's job to fix that like it's not your own fault well i mean he's been such a baby throughout the like think about very early on in the movie like he asks his seven-year-old daughter like what am i doing here kid 
Well, his like seven year old daughter is like making breakfast. Yeah, it's like really early in the movie. He 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 turns to her. He's like, "Am I doing anything right?" (laughs) (laughs) She's like, "I'm making my own peanut butter." I don't know. Get your shit together. You're fifty, Matt. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, absolutely not. (laughs) Doing a damn thing, Benjamin. Uh, I'm nine years old. I don't know. Yeah. So there's that reconciliation. But then you don't want to even you don't even want to like the sun during those scenes because the sun has been such a fucking shit the whole movie. So there's no one to root for. Everybody at this point. Sucks. There's yeah. no one to like. I root for the animals. I just wanted the lion to eat somebody. Yeah, that would have been great. The, you would think that it would happen, too, because they are they these animals are getting out. Like they're, the <laughs> zoo like shouldn't be this open. This is a My bad God. zoo. But it's a hundred percent a bad zoo. The inspector the- is the hero because like he's the only one trying to rein them in. When like a bear got out like two days before they open. <laughs> Like, they're not somebody. ready they're not ready for even a soft open well and then they're there and they're like oh the doors don't work to this lion cage yeah maybe you shouldn't have guests there when yeah. you have a faulty lion so cage that door. was the greatest example of the one minute cameron crow yeah. writing this fucking movie and being like i have nothing i need to introduce some random conflict yeah a one minute uh, conflict she doesn't know how a door works <laughs> yeah she well the directing of that scene was really unflattering to scarjo because like i'm sure she did a fine job of like like the lock jamming or whatever but it really just the way it's shot it looks like she just like it looks like she know. like can't turn yeah it looks it. like she yeah. forgets how keys work it's so poorly directed. Yeah, it really. It's like me. the the DP was like, "Do I? Where do I stand?" And then Cameron Crowe was just like passed out. Like, yeah. And they're like, "Okay, let's just get coverage from everywhere," and he'll choose like the best shot. And he chose all of them. There are shots <laughs> yeah, of everywhere so of, of her like jiggling these keys, and you're like, "What's wrong with her?" And so then, yeah, they have to jimmy this lock from the inside. Which and so then ScarJo is just like, "Oh, a uh, lion, look over at me! Oh, I'm a lady." <laughs> And uh, he jimmies it and that's fine. Conflict ended. Uh, Just kidding. (laughs) In a matter of like two minutes. Just kidding because then it rains. (laughs) No, no, no. Okay. So, so wait. So there's, I I counted it up. There's five endings to this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So ending number one is John Michael Higgins return while the lock is getting stuck. And you think like, oh, is he, is he going to deny him? Is he not going to let them open up the zoo? Is he going to open them? Oh, and he approves it. Cool. The movie is wrapping up now. Nope. Okay. We still got some time. The zoo's about to open up. Oh no. It's going to be the rainiest summer in history. It's, we're never going to get the zoo now. Just kidding. The the rain actually stopped and the zoo is open. <laughs> but hold on. But wait, we, no, we have to let the people in. Oh, no, nobody wait. came in because there's a tree down in the road. Like, no, yeah, it was and like I, call, I called it. You literally right said, yeah, because they, they open the gates and they're like, whoa, where is everyone? When like really no one should be there. It's like the second they're opening <laughs> yeah. after two years. And at this point, at this point, Cameron Crow is writing this movie and he's just so like hopped up on Ambien where he's just like, I don't fucking know, man. There's a fucking. Tree yeah. In and the road. so I don't know. Yeah. So they're like, oh, I guess no one came. And then the son is like, no, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Guy. And. <laughs> He, he runs like three feet up the road and there's a giant tree that's right there. And then, and then they poke the tr- their head around and there's 10,000 people waiting it's to like, get in the it's zoo. It's like a Pantera concert in Russia. <laughs> yeah. It's like millions of people. It, it goes all the way down the to road the point, and then have, around the corner. People have bailed their cars. Every Their cars yeah. just parked in a line. People they're are like, like, fuck, my cars are like, done. I gotta get yeah, in the zoo. They're looting. <laughs> Keep in mind the way that this is also shot. There's just 
nothing but open fields around them. No, there's a fence. I've noticed there's a little white fence. <laughs> a tiny little white fence, yeah. And so then there's this incredible like three minute it's, scene of them like helping people get over this like sea of giant tree branches to get into the zoo. So and it's like before, elderly people. Yeah. yeah, before that happened, I was thinking to myself like, I don't know if you guys ever played like Roller Coaster Tycoon or something like that, where you know how you would just have like a bunch of people in your park and you just like build a path to nowhere and you block people in and they just like stand there like walking back and forth like they're just trapped. They're like, we can't go anywhere. We have to go. We have to wait in line for this thing. Yeah, that's I mean, that is why this to me, because the shooting of that scene also was like so like medicine commercial, how like like the light coming through the trees and then just like holding hands and like side effects, mine include. Well, that's what this whole movie is. It's the side effects montage in in a, in like a antidepressant commercial where you're kind of it wants to be a little weird in yeah. those because they want you to not pay attention to what's being said. So it's just, so you're kind of looking like, oh. He They're like they, climbing a tree. They have, what? Wait a minute. So they have lions back there? <laughs> He's like in his backyard, it looks like, but there's like a whole zoo. And then the music's like Yeah, yeah, exactly. The music is just like it. Like it's designed to disorient and confuse you almost. But thank God that that's the very end of the movie. Oh, wait, no, no, no. There's still more. Um so they help all these 85-year-old people get over this fence. And the zoo is packed. And the zoo is so packed. They're at full capacity, I feel like there should not be that many people around uh, wild animals. Yeah, the geography of this of this area did not sell it to be capable of having this many. I just people. realized we mm-hmm. skipped over the Home Depot lady. We we went past her. Um, Who, yeah, the she, second person of color in this movie. And well, that's so the other problem with that giant crowd of people being there, aside from the fact that it's a zoo and no one goes to zoos, <laughs> is that uh, the only. Uh, advertising that we saw was a a bunch of posters being put out like on like bulletin boards uh, which is like not something that ever has really worked and then B he's at Home Depot and his credit card says like the name of the zoo and she's like oh I used to love that zoo you know what Opening day, I'm I'm gonna show up with ten of my in-laws. Hey, maybe I'll feed some of them to the freaking lions. And then the little girl's like, eh, "What does that mean? I literally don't know what, that means. Don't know what are what in-laws." Um, and then, like, you can see everyone in in the back of the line, like at the Home Depot, being like, kind of like, "Oh, oh the zoo's kind of coming." Okay, we should. <laughs> so, so you have the Home Depot line, and then you have some posters. So you know, but <laughs> and you a know, million people. Show listen, up. you don't know Northern California. Everybody's got at least ten in-laws, and yeah. so. Like, like if those in-laws tell their in-laws, like mm-hmm. man, it's gonna be popping at the zoo. Yeah, day. this woman <laughs> saved the zoo. <laughs> she shows up. She's the hero. Matt Damon's like mm, Home Depot, <laughs> and well, what does she say to him? Because like she, he sees her in this giant mass of people, and she just goes like, "Good job." No, that's <laughs> a, some there's, shit. There's like multiple people that just like walk past him including like a 12 year old girl who's just like thank you mister no yeah she goes (laughs) it's it's really poorly read and she's like thanks for saving the animals (laughs) (laughs) and he doesn't say anything that moment moment is so odd and it just captures like the laziness of this movie because it's a bunch of quick shots of what's happening at this busy zoo. And it's like a montage of like, whoa, animals, whoa, people. Mm-hmm. And then you get this close up on Damon, like looking so happy seeing all these people. And then it cuts to like what seems like a point of view shot. Mm-hmm. But the lady who says that the thanks for saving the animals, 
She's not she in the center of the shot. She's like cut she's off. She's not looking from the frame. right. She's not looking directly at camera, but she's looking really close. But to she's it. right at she's the edge. She's definitely not looking at Damon. Like, it, but it just happens for a second, and then you're off to the next thing. There are a lot of moments of like a sleep at the wheel direction. In this. Like <laughs> yeah. it's it's not just the script. It's not just like it is piss poor. Like you could shoot this movie in a way that like lends credence to it. Like there are plenty of like dumb kids movies that are still shot fine like national treasure for example there's nothing egregious about how it looks it's just like dumb i love national treasure of course but we stand this is there are things actively going against what is already not good well i mean it's so many different things like in this one shot after he sees the home depot person we get a nice little drone shot of the crowd of the zoo and you're like cool it's over Nope, we're no. still <laughs> then he goes to a little shack in the middle of this like 20,000 people that are at this zoo and Scarjo is just like I I have a little crush on you. Oh, God. And then she yeah, she kisses him really hard twice. And, and the chemistry is just so not it's there. It's so cuz they don't they don't set it up no. really. I no. mean you're you're expecting it because that's what this yeah, kind it of has movie to happen, is. but it's just like the last like one of the last times they talked all he did was talk about his dead wife and how he cannot let go of her. This movie doesn't know what it wants to be because then we don't end on that shot of the two of them getting together either. No. It goes back to the place where he first met his dead wife in the cafe. Yeah. Oh. And so here's the thing about that sequence. Um, that could have been really powerful. Yeah. It could have been like, if so that's what the movie would have been about. Yes. And also it's sloppy. Even that scene, which I, that worked better than most of the sappy moments in this, just because it is, it, you know, it's ultimate payoff and there is some really good acting in it by Damon yeah. and, uh, this wife who literally doesn't say anything at all. <laughs> Um, and she even, is, they just had her like Cameron Crowe just like took some artistic photos of her where it's like light shining so you can't really see her face because no, they so, didn't have an actress cast so that we did get that single tear from Damon though when he's looking at the photos yeah you get the tear you get you get him getting really emotional and like I, I love the idea of like like for a moment they all truly can feel that she is there in that yeah. diner like they see her you know that is really powerful stuff but it's it's sloppily shot. So there are about four too many shots going around. Like you said, Hunter, the close ups on every face. And it reaches a point where it you're like reading the sequence of it. Like, are they communicating something to each other? Like, <laughs> like what is and the- it also it holds like too long on each mm-hmm. person. And then it like goes back again. It keeps going back that. to the wife who is just like a blank <laughs> slate because she literally like can't do too much. Because she isn't a character. She is a uh, projection. Well, I mean, and that's kind of that also could just be said about every woman in this uh, movie. This like it's so film so, yeah. reeks of women written by men, specifically like older white. Yeah, men. it's really nuts that Aline it's, McKenna wrote like co-wrote this. I wonder. I feel like she just probably did like some like I, some. I really wonder. Yeah. Who like, wrote just the like yeah, a little bit of. So I was going to I was going to bring this up. So first of all, We Bought a Zoo is a book written by Benjamin. By Benjamin Me. It's a memoir. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it all took place in England and they transposed it to America. Like he didn't come to America and buy a zoo. Here. No, no. It's yeah. It's just straight British. It all happened here. And it looks like uh, Cameron like did most of the work on it. Uh, oh, wait. No, no, no. 
he rewrote. I was going to say, I would guess Bosch McKenna's uh, script. Yeah, because I, he's at a stage where I don't think that he's writing anything that's purely from his head. He's mm-hmm. taking scripts and like putting some doo doo on. But them. he must have he must have heavily rewrote the script because I if she wrote this script and he just like touched it up. That just looks worse on her. No, there are a lot I want to put more on the blame on, on him. There's a good amount of, of Cameron Crowisms yeah. in this that are specifically his shit that like you know he did. And I also mean, and also like everything else is going against it too. That is purely his fault, like the directing. It's but, like, but for her to keep credit, like there must be enough in yeah. the movie. Well, she wrote this. Yeah, if you write this script, you're going to, especially because she was a very established name. Like, it wasn't like a spec taken from like AFI or whatever. Like, she was someone at this point. Uh, and it just ended up in the wrong hands. He really, he was on, I think, every downer that you could possibly be on for this. It this is, is like, it's the worst example for like how you should talk to women ever, where there's like, uh, man, all you need is just 20 seconds of courage and you can just do anything. And it's uh, very like predatorial. Yeah. So then he goes yeah. and like, fucking like breaks her window. Yeah. <laughs> Damon is a creep it's and really, by extension his son. Yeah. It, like both of them are like really creepy. Like Matt Damon, the way that he initiates with his wife is he just walks up to this random woman just hanging out in a diner, minding her own business. is just like, excuse me. Why would a girl as beautiful as you ever want to talk to a guy talk like me? A creepy and she's like, like me. why not? Yeah, that is that has never happened in the history of ever. Well, and, and the, don't the, ever attempt that because and you the are same creepy. is the same is true of ScarJo. She has no reason to be interested in him. And the same is true of the teenage son. Uh, Elle Fanning, like in no universe would be into this fucking I, asshole. I can't he is believe. so unbelievably mean to her always. So I, maybe it was a callback to like some say anything shit or something from Cameron Crowe's past since he also wrote say anything. But like, I just started laughing whenever Dylan is standing outside in the pouring rain. He's just like, I love you, Elle. And do you think that he tried to go into it go in for the kiss with Elle Fanning and Elle was like, no, let's just go a hug. <laughs> let's let's just hug through my yeah. window. Yeah, I think yeah, we, my, don't, we my, don't need to do this. My, my character doesn't kiss you. I would love to. No, don't get me it's wrong. Not, it's my Colin, character. Colin, I want to kiss you, L, but I never will. And also our characters <laughs> won't either. All right. So before we wrap up, Wikipedia has a differences between the movie and real life <laughs> section. And and it's just fully blank because all of this happened <laughs> yeah, verbatim. <laughs> and that's so Cameron so, Crowe is actually doing it faithfully. So um like I just said, the real zoo was in England. Um, so when when it comes up at the end that they still live at the zoo and we said we need to do a live podcast from the zoo, we are going to have to bypass the European ban on American travelers and sneak into England to record. This I'm podcast. sure if we tell like I, I bet we could write a letter to the queen and be like look we have a podcast it's named after the zoo we bought a zoo it's only right that you let us in there they'll be like yeah sure come on in so are you wait continue with your thing yeah so the other big thing is that apparently the wife uh was they had already bought the zoo with the wife and she, and then she died mm, um she that's out. a pretty big thing well yeah change. but that i mean that that plays into the drama because if if yeah it's all movie changes. they would yeah they'd have to just drop us right into them like already having a zoo and then she dies you know when and instead we get to see like the little kids get to see this little girl like oh lion i like i'd never seen that before <laughs> yeah. and now i like okay the the best thing on this whole wikipedia 
uh, is how he got Damon to do this is Cameron Crowe. He went to the set of true grit to get Damon to do it. He, he gave him a script. He gave him a CD full of songs that he himself had composed. Cameron Crowe composed oh, a bunch of songs gross. and a, and then also a copy of the 1983 film local hero which is a scottish movie with a very similar feel to it where like you know i've heard good things this, about this man movie. goes to a little village and like helps people or whatever and he said don't just read the script and make a decision and uh so damon was moved by this music that cameron crow wrote which I wonder if like Cameron Crowe like gave that C- same CD to the score guy. And by wonder, I mean, he definitely did because that's <laughs> yeah. what you like. If he wrote that music, he was like, listen, score guy, this is the fucking music. I don't care what you're good at. Look, I know you were in Sigur Ross, but this yeah. Is so, my... so Damon found local hero to be a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I've heard great. Things yeah. So he it. was like, so uh, he gypped him. Yeah. With a masterpiece. I mean, this is often the case. Like directors are very, very type A people. They get what they want out of people. Uh, regardless of whether or not it's good for that person. And uh, yeah, he, he fucked him. He gave him the old one too here. Look, I'm sure that Matt got a pretty nice paycheck from this. No, he did. And it did do well. He probably spent it all on vodka. And it, and it did kind of remind people like, oh, we like Matt Damon. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. like dumb parents. I think this is like just one of those movies that dumb parents will take. Their kids, well, maybe see. more grandparents, and then I feel like this. This is like a like a older, like a, older. Yeah, like a grandparents with little kids. No, I mean, totally do you, yeah. yeah. Do you think they're like secondhand it's, like a, it's a thing? Yes, where it's like, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. secondhand lions. Oh, this that's such a great comparison. Yeah, because it's at truly least secondhand. Not for kids. At least secondhand lions ha- has so much more like cartoony mm-hmm. loony shit in it this yeah this is really lacking this really tries to well, be serious. part and also because they use mostly real animals they couldn't really get him to do that much like for example when thomas hayden church brings all that fish they couldn't even get the bear to be eating the fish like for this the shot where it's like oh yeah. he's contributing the bear's just kind of like pawing around with the fish <laughs> <laughs> also <laughs> in secondhand lines Michael Caine, Robert Duvall, and Haley Joel Osment all give great performances in a bad movie. In this movie, not great. I don't. I don't think anybody. No one's. Has. Do, no. No one. No one's bringing their all to this. The the other thing from Wikipedia I wanted to bring up is that apparently the real life children were four and six years old, respectively. The little girl and the little boy. Mm-hmm. That changes it a lot. Yeah, because well, that they, takes out the whole like being a having the teenage angst they need yeah they the need the, well they needed done. levels of like hey maybe you know maybe types. my my preteen son will like this you know there's there is a preteen and then the the other thing is apparently it took almost two years for them to actually be able to buy the zoo it's not like here's here you go yeah that is that <laughs> they is just so bought this like 14 acre lot with like all this assortment of exotic creatures oh my just God. paid in cash this this I wish this would have been in the movie. Benjamin's first offer to buy the zoo was originally rejected due to his lack of experience in the zoological world. Mm-hmm. No shit, dude. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I would love honestly a movie just about all the red tape <laughs> that you, had to, you would have to go through to buy a fucking. Give me zoo. the dark waters of of we bought a zoo. Yeah. Yeah, so the I guess the last thing I want to bring up is just going all the way back to the beginning and shouting out how this movie opens. And it's just like a montage of like his journalistic escapades 
uh, and you're just thrust into this what the fuck is going on space. Played with like really tender music. Once again, the music just does not match that that sequence whatsoever. And then um, shout out to the horny mom at the school with the lasagna. And then he puts the lasagna in the fridge and there's like six other lasagnas. I completely lasagnas. forgot yeah. about how Matt Damon, like this is, Matt Damon especially at the beginning of this movie, like he looks like he came in like fucked up still. Like he is still on the bender right yeah. now. He's still on the wagon. It's Yeah, it's like and, Val Kilmer and level yet, like, like swollen face. And all of face. these yeah. like hot single 30 year old moms are just like here. And they put their faces yeah. on the lasagna. <laughs> yeah. So when he's looking in the fridge, could, could have that been a whole subplot? Yes, it could have been. It should have. It should have been a whole movie. It's just a bunch of insane milfs. Just women <laughs> horny for yeah. alcoholism. And he's demon. like, my wife just died. Yeah, but he is still fucking a wolf. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, <laughs> I think we got to end the podcast. I, I'm, I'm, like, I like I enjoyed watching this movie, but it also really it's it's hurt me it hurt me in my like core of my yeah we gut. didn't expect it to be as bad as it was it, we glad, went into but it. like i said instantly like yeah like like one line in i was like oh good this is gonna be really bad like because i was i don't want to watch a five and this was a two it's a hard two i i'd go maybe three mm. i'd go three just because there's there's well, certain two, three if you're giving a leeway of being for kids it can it can go higher but also I think the audience scores are inflated because the old people who took kids to watch it are the ones getting really interviewed. Let's and then kids like everything. Kids like literally anything. Yeah. You put in front I of mean, so the, like, oh, the line good. between a two and a three is not much. But right now I'm, I'm feeling a little bit more lenient because it just had these tiny little seeds of like it had ideas. Oh, you could make a little bit of a more heartfelt emotional tale here. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just I'm curious. I want to play a little movie game with you guys. Uh better or worse than Dumbo. we bought a Z. This is worse. Worse than Dumbo. I think yes. it's worse. Yeah. Yes. The Lion King. Worse. This um, is worse. Well, Lion King I, Lion King is more uh like intellectually deprived well lion king is a technical marvel this is not i don't know man (laughs) that bear uh farted it felt very funny uh (laughs) glass i liked glass Glass is better i like glass so much better yeah uh, Velvet Buzzsaw. No, that's worse. I Velvet Buzzsaw. I viscerally like. I like. I wanted to turn it off every single moment of that movie. It wasn't. Yeah. It had no. It didn't have anything funny going on. They're like pretty. It was just pretty bad. even for me. Okay. I think gun to my head, I would probably say Velvet Buzzsaw is just marginally better because of just the the lunacy of it like there's just so I much you know, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna find like some more some more kids type movies racing stripes i don't think i've ever seen that is that the zebra one yeah it's the zebra one it's another one with real animals where he's a racing zebra uh it's i was a fucking awful movie another thing going against this movie for me is that you almost you know it almost fits into that old tribe of movies you'd you would want to compare it to like yours mine and ours or cheaper by the dozen or whatever mm-hmm. um and those but movies, those are family movies. Those movies are both leagues better than this. Yeah. Like in every conceivable way. They're enjoyable for kids because there's more kid stuff happening and not just like this depressed teen. <laughs> yeah. 
Like exactly. you need to watch kids having fun if it, if you want your kids to have fun. And exactly. this, this, these kids are fucking miserable. And this the one of the worst parts about this movie is it doesn't understand what can make a movie going experience great what it can what what can transcend you to another world mm-hmm. to another story to another life to to make you feel like you're transported like this movie doesn't understand any of that no it doesn't it doesn't understand people it doesn't understand a damn thing all the dialogue is so movie it's insane like the, in the very beginning when he's talking to his son his son says oh whatever which is like so <laughs> yeah, son if like, you say whatever one more time yeah, whatever is is the worst word in the english language blah, 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 blah. like shut the fuck up the, people aren't talking like this they never did uh, well i think that about does it thanks for listening uh we've been defeated mm-hmm. by we bought a zoo but we'll be back next week with episode 201 and let it be a new beginning. Mm-hmm. And maybe one day we'll give you an episode live from Dartmoor Wildlife Park in England. Yes. <laughs> maybe uh we'll we'll um we'll we'll be like, "Hey guys, you know, we we have the coronavirus over here. Maybe maybe we can bring it over there." God. And uh you can check it out and see. I wonder if Benjamin Mees like the real guy i wonder if his kids fucking hate him are we because it would still be in the we family for like episode 250 can we do a review of are we there yet mm. are we done yet are we there yet is the first one yeah, are we done yet is the one. second one. Oh, gotcha the are we done yet is them building a house no it should be it should be are there any movies that are like we blank blank um Honey, I Shrunk the Kid. Isn't there like a Honey We? <laughs> honey, we, honey shrunk we Shrunk our Ourselves. We Shrunk yeah. Ourselves. The Squeakquel. Honey, We Shrunk a mic. <laughs> that sounds, All right, well, that sounds thank, promising. Thanks for listening. Let us know what you thought of this movie. If you have ever seen it, we recommend you don't see it, but it, maybe you have already. Uh, and if you want to be that that uh, guy or gal to defend it, we bought a mic at gmail.com. Harry, this movie seems right up your alley. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> At we bought a I mic feel like Harry would be a fan of this movie. <laughs> what about Adam? I feel like this might be Zillennial yeah. canon material. I, it's a little late. It's, for, yeah, it's not Zillennial It's 2011. Canon. Yeah, so. it's, it's past that point. Yeah, I, I could see either um, of them. I want to hear the defense. Yeah. Uh, even though I know it already. It's a kid's movie. Why are you being so mean? Hey, uh, <laughs> I mean, it, once again, Letterboxd isn't like a viscerally hit. It has an average of three stars. Shocking. That's I'm shocked. Real, yeah, it truly How? surprises me. Even a tepid response is shocking to me. Letterbox needs to get its shit together. <laughs> I'm, really I'm looking rough. at a five-star review right now. What in the world? Dude. Somebody called it a perfect feel-good movie. No. Barong on both counts. <laughs> it's not perfect, it's not feel-good, and it's not a movie. It's <laughs> There's nothing feel good about this movie. Everybody in this movie sucks. Everyone's yeah, everyone's fucking miserable the whole time. And so are we. Goodbye. So thanks for listening. Stick around next week. Yeah. We will bring you that first cow review. No cows in this movie. I guess they're not zoo material. Mm-mm. Yeah. All right. It's not a petting zoo. Have a good week. Stay safe. Wear a mask. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.